Are you ready for this? We're here! Hi, what's your name? I'm Joe Fowler. Hi, I'm Ron Popeil. I chose anybody. Hi, what's your name? I'm Tom Purvis, trainer to the trainers. Hi, I'm Mike Levy. Hold on to your power rod. But wait. What are you doing? Call now. Call now. Call now. Call now. Call or log on now. Call now. Call right now. Call in the next 18 minutes. Call in the next 16 minutes. Call in the next 7 minutes. Call these numbers right now. Hello and welcome to Call Now, where we plunge headfirst into the surreal world of infomercial. And while we can't offer you free shipping, we can guarantee that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are definitely those of this network. Thank you, Tim. My name is Dan Sturdivant. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host on this three-man we've known as Call Now. Of course, we've got the Viceroy of Value, Mark Pedrotti. Hey, Mark, how we doing? Hey. I make a good gift. You sure do. Father's Day, Mother's Day, a backpacker, and we've got the great American inventor himself, Dave Sandrini. Dave, oh, how are we doing? Hello. I completely forgot to say something crazy, so um, just indulge me. <laughs> You'll be well indulged because no. we caught up quickly for an emergency pod on July 28th, hours after the sad news of the passing of the godfather and patron saint of the infomercial, Ron Popeil. To date on our show, we've covered the Popeil Automatic Pasta Maker back in episode three. We got into the five-in-one fryer for our Thanksgiving special in episode five. And most recently, we're able to hang out with really the, the full family. Now kind of looking at it, again, it's even a little bit more sentimental the, with the Showtime Six Star Plus Knives series. where We had Ron, Arnold, Shannon, the whole fam was there. I mean, his... Impact is obviously unmatched. His story is incredible. And whether you enjoy <laughs> the time that you spend watching him on screen or not, what he's meant to the bizarre world of infomercials deserves nothing but respect. So to properly commemorate the man, the myth, the legend, got to hand the keys of our infomercial empire over to Dave Sandrini too take the wheel and guide us through our proper celebration of life for Mr. Ron Popeil. So Dave, please take it away. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's an honor. Let's first open it up with the most Ron quote that I think I have ever heard. And it is quoted by him. And I saw it today in a YouTube video. And he says, and I hope you guys haven't heard this, I'm a self-made celebrity. The more I spend on TV, the more of a celebrity I am. And I can't really do it right because of the way right. he said it, but it's not the more time I spend on TV. It was the more I spend on TV. Anyway, I was yeah. floored with that one. Yeah. I do feel that <laughs> after a week after, after the news, after he died, he's getting a very Ron send-off, which I'm sure he'd be happy about. Every article I've read has like, a list of his wacky inventions followed by a blurb relating to his incredible ambition persona etc i mean he's getting a pretty good send off wouldn't you say yes yeah yeah it's what you would expect i think one of the things that we've talked about is the tone of ron his intended audience and i think that audience their sentimentality because you think about it there's people that have i mean he's been on tv our entire three and a half decades on this earth but he was doing it for an additional 40 years before that yeah you know he started his first commercial was was in 59 so there's people who their entire lives who you know are what a full generation and a half older than us who have always known ron poe peel on their television hawking them products yeah. that he's invented so yeah there's just such a wide swath of people that he had no choice but running into. And I think even like some of the parody stuff that came with it that he totally embraced only added to that Ronness, which the quote that you mentioned beautifully encapsulates. Yeah, it really does. Because yeah. I think he, when he heard that SNL is spoofing him, he probably, well, I heard some things and he's like not thrilled about it up front because he's like, what's this going to do to my product? But mm -hmm. I think his product started selling a lot more over there. And I think, Dave, that quote, like, 
can't be from 1960. Like that has to be the culmination of yeah. all the years that he spent maybe worrying about some of those things and to having them happen and having them be a success to the rest of his business. And I mean, the dude, he did it all. He learned it all and he can tell all at the end of his career. Yeah. yeah in his book. So the book came out in the mid late nineties salesman of the century. He talks about the Dan Aykroyd Bassomatic. Yes, fish eaters, the days of troublesome scaling, cutting, and gutting are over. Because Super Bassomatic 76 is the tool that lets you use the whole bass with no fish waste without scaling, cutting, or gutting. He goes, so and I loved it. You put your right, though. It's like, now you can say you loved it. Yeah. Of course you can. Yeah. But I'm guessing that the first time, like if Ron was just sitting in his house that Saturday night, I'm guessing the TV didn't survive once he saw it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what year was it? Did you say? It's got to be early 80s. I would say like 83. That sounds right. Somewhere around there. Cause it was after the Pocket Fisherman, mm -hmm. all right around that time. And it was coming off of, and what Ron, I think, said what he became most well known for. So after the Chopomatic being the first one, I'm going to show you the greatest kitchen product ever invented. It's called Chopomatic. The Dialomatic was the big one. That's yep. where it got to the full. Yeah. Like that became. Basically, that slice, dice, chops, peels, chunks, chips, everything pitch that John Parkin spoke to in the Pitch People documentary, and that I think is the shot sheet for every non-knife handheld cutting device of how you do it. Yeah. So yeah, it was after the dialomatic. They got to the the bassomatic. Kept seeing it listed as batomatic. Yeah. Is your sorcery getting hung up because of the hours you spend mixing and blending your remedies? Then you need Ravco's amazing new witch's aid, the Super Batomatic 77. In a lot of the things, mm -hmm. but I was like, I remember watching it. They're throwing fish in there. It's a full There's bass. Batomatic. You can yeah. do a full yeah. bass. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah, yeah. I was like, why are they putting batomatic in here? I don't know. It's 76. Sorry, 76. SNL was 75. It started. So wow. this is like a it's yeah. like an original sketch. They were coming out yeah. of the gates going to run. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's all on TV, you know, and it's all on late late night TV, you know. I mean, that's gotta be yeah. why. Same audience, right? Yeah. They were actually but, creeping into Ron's territory. He was there first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still I, I think it's very important what Ron Perpeel did to enable the space that we've curved out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <they're laughs> totally. But I couldn't believe how much YouTube stuff there is, not of Ron, but of people testing his products. Current mm. People. Oh, yeah. I mean, we look for that stuff in kind of everything that we cover. And sometimes it's there. I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, like maybe the some of the golf products and stuff around there. But yeah, there's a woman who's done like all of his cooking products. And then I watched this great video of the guy doing the pocket fisherman, which we'll get to that later. It's crazy. Like there's something about his things. They're kind of better, especially that era, like 70s and 80s. Yeah. That stuff was good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was also, it was so Greenfield too, right? So he was doing the pitch style commercials for a while. And then once it opened up to 28 and a half minutes, it was like, I was made for this. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like the, yeah. the perfect situation of the time, place, person, era, technology. Like, it all lined up. Like, there was a void there that a bunch of people were able to insert themselves into and were good and made great money and were very successful and are fairly recognizable, but nobody yeah. went two feet all the way to the bottom of the deep end of that pool like Ron did, just being like, I'm going to keep doing this until I fail. And guess what? I'm never going to fail, <laughs> right? Like I'm going to spend <laughs> on TV. Yeah. He will drink your milkshake. Yeah. Dan, it's so funny you said that because I was thinking about this, like the earlier two minute, one minute pitches were like, you just have to say scripts faster. You have to get it all out there. And right. when I think of Ron, I don't think of him as like a carnival barker, like fast pitch guy. He's a very right. in tune, slow, meticulous way of delivery. And I believe he had full confidence when like Reagan obviously lifted whatever that that yeah. thing was that like you can like do infomercials 30 minute infomercials on tv i bet you he yeah. just like he was like chomping at the bit he's like oh i'm a soliloquy guy yeah, yeah. i'm gonna kill this thing he was fast though mark at the, yes he's fast like you're like that guy's not fast and then you get on mm -hmm. the court with him and you're like oh dear god you know yeah. he's yeah. i did it do i do so nice. like he's already around you somehow you know what yeah. i mean crazy yeah that's the mm -hmm. back to you know what we talked about historically about ron is it is hypnotic 
Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. It doesn't necessarily have to be fast, but no matter what it is, it's pulling you in. Yeah. And again, not to give the full history lesson, but, you know, the hours and hours that he spent in Woolworth in Chicago, just hawking products in the makeup aisle, you know, makeup and fragrances, because that had the highest amount of foot traffic. So I would sit there like, <laughs> damn, like he was just there for 10 hours a day like as long as the store was open he was there and he was just perfecting his craft before then he went to the fair circuit and killed it there yeah and then started training uh his buddy mel Corey to kind of be his his running mate and his partner before then then once tv came along and what he said was great he's like mel and i would think why don't we just Pitch once in a football stadium, get 80,000 people in there, pitch once, and then sell for the whole day. Little did I know that television was right around the corner. Yeah. And that's the thing that to us and people probably our age and younger totally forget is that he wasn't just inventing products and he wasn't just marketing them. Like he was really defining the medium and pushing ways to do things differently through the medium. That just didn't happen before. Yeah. You know, so even though the Morris brothers did have things like Lester Morris with his cooking show and the Rotor Boil and a lot of things historically that were out there, our buddy Pappy Barnard for the original Vitamix in 49, those things were out there. But Ron was the first one where it wasn't going to be a one off. It was going to be, oh, if I can do this, the more I spend on this, the more famous I become. Yeah. And just nailed it. But like, it's still, I think, Going through his list of products for my research and thinking about that, he must be really technically savvy as well and unintimidated. Like, just even well, thinking about having a television production schedule for a 30 minute thing is a lot. And like all of yeah. the people that we talked to, I mean, Stan directed these things. And I bet Ron kind of did too. You know, I bet that was a thing that he just learned how to do and was like, I know how I'm going to come into the frame and do it. Like, or at least he knew very early on who his team was right. and who was going to do it. Because like, there's a reason why those other guys didn't just say like, oh yeah, I can do a 30 minute broadcast. Cause you can't. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Good luck. It's crazy. We know what those look like when they're bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And just on your point about the potential of him selecting good people, he did. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he had an engineer that he trusted. So his whole thing was like, I just, I want to build a better mousetrap. And that was his whole thing. He's like, you look around, houses you go to stores obsessively watch other commercials and infomercials watch some of the national sitcoms on television the products they're using are the products people want in their homes it's like yeah Yeah. you're right and he was just kind of on that leading edge that never quit part of things but making sure that he had the people with those specific sets of skills around him to be able to hold the things that he couldn't like you know that part i talked about mel Corey. Once they became Ronco, they were 50-50 partners. Ron was responsible for inventing and for pitching. And then what they did to be able to more efficiently and effectively buy ad time is Ron had Mel's side of the business be an in-house ad agency. So then they didn't have to go through an ad agency and pay 15% every time on top of their ad buys. Mm-hmm. They booked something, yeah. They had an in-house agency. That type of mentality of thinking about how to continue to capitalize on your wins mm-hmm. was, I think, among his greatest innovations. Yeah. So did he have a different engineer for the different type of product? Like the Fisherman is not the microphone, right? That was his father's, right? Wasn't a couple of those original ones actually his father's Some were, yeah. Products? So some of the first things that he got out there were his father's when he was really, once it was Ronco and he was on his own, at least in Salesman of the Century, he talks about one specific engineer that he would continually go to. Yeah. And basically the process was Ron would describe to him what he was trying to accomplish. The guy would come back to him with five or six potential options. They would settle on one and then work it. Work that thing until it worked. Wow. It was nuts. Interesting. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. Dave, I bet it's like there's a, a nice cutoff in like the late 70s when everything became Ron's that wasn't kind of left over from his father. Yeah. After his father passed and his father's like company, like basically just went belly up and 
there was nothing yeah. left there and just kind of needed new inventions. And mm-hmm. that's where Ron became the man he is. He was. Yeah. It, what's interesting because Dan mentioned it, which was kind of my question, which was I was just going through YouTube, like I said, and all these two minute commercials, one minute commercials are scripted, produced commercials from what yeah. Dan is saying is an ad agency. It's completely different than his, you know, QVC to infomercial stuff. And they're really right. good. Like they're yeah. stupid. They're dated. So that must be like he's coming in you know, like post Mad Men in the 70s. And he's like, oh yeah, there's a company that can do that. It's like, what if I hire 10 of them? Yep, you can do that. You know what I mean? And they're making these amazing things, but it's just, it's kind of weird because I'm going back assuming I'm going to see, you know, the glass roster with him pitching it. And it's this like ridiculously like produced video that I'm like, oh man, give me more of this. You know, it's like Inception. I bought the airline. Yeah. It seemed easy. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, why try to find which ad agency is going to get you the best deals and, you know, try to still argue with them and figure it's like, oh, our issue is ad agencies. Why don't we just have an ad agency? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a better mousetrap. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Dan, was there a name for the agency from what you read? Is it just Ronco? Probably. I think it was just, it was basically an in house division. I could be wrong, though. Yeah. Yeah. But he would give Mel all the credit for, you know, handling that side of the business. And again, like that was one of his big things was making sure that for the two of them going in, that it was a 50, 50 split. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I need someone who's going to pay attention to all the shit. I don't like, mm-hmm. you know, so he's like, I'm really good at X number of things. So it's like, he's a guy who doesn't necessarily come off as self-aware in some of the infomercials. But the reality is, is he had to have been incredibly self-aware uh-huh. to be willing to surround himself with people to ensure yeah. his success. And one of the things people will point to is when they, they went bankrupt. And again, biased information is coming from the, the words of Ron in, in his own book. But it did actually kind of sound somewhat circumstantial where he had they had a relationship with a bank in Chicago. They basically would continue to have to make sure they could stock inventory and not have to overspend out of pocket, basically a revolving $15 million loan. And they would always just pay the interest on it, roll it over, pay the interest, roll it over, pay interest, roll it over. And one of that bank's competitors went belly up. And so when that happened, all of the other banks who were servicing similar clients all said, oh, we're going to make leadership changes and do some stringent audits. And we can't continue to hold loans like this yeah. that make us more vulnerable. These are risky, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. they were deemed, you know, their risk profile was too high. They weren't that liquid. So that was when they, they filed for bankruptcy and the company, quote, went under there. But Ron was never broke. And he yeah. makes sure to mention that, too, in his book, in classic Ron fashion. And he took all his inventory. He went bankrupt, mm-hmm. took it all, went yep. back to the pier, pitched. Sold it all. Yeah. Started his empire again. Unload it all. Yeah. I mean, even if he is got a huge ego, crazy. To give him a little credit here, it's like I'm going back and watch these things from the 70s, and I'm like, there's no Ron. You know, like that's a problem. You know, like that's a problem if if you're a business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like talking to Tom or something. It's like, yeah, I basically helped invent the Bowflex. He would argue that he didn't, but he did. You know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's no Ron on this, and of course, it's Ron ad nauseum as we've seen him in the 90s and 2000s etc cetera, etc cetera. but it's like run on, run on. back then it's like he kind of had to separate himself yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah anyway okay so this is where i think this is going to get fun because okay i'm going through all i like fun i'm going through all these retrospectives and i'm like <laughs> not there's just list after list like after that. list of thing and i'm like well i guess we should probably just do a list so i picked 10 products and Brag. I think that Dan will know all of them. Actually, I'm certain that Dan will know all of them. <laughs> but let's just first describe and then pick apart each of these things because they're fucking amazing. Number one, <laughs> the pocket fisherman. It's the fishing invention of the century. There's never been anything like it. Popio's pocket fisherman. How would you describe the pocket fisherman? It's a toy. It's a toy. <laughs> it's a toy. That's all it is. I don't understand the clientele that would buy that now, man. But so, it's a different time, yeah. For a nice yeah. little toy, baby. Honestly, it feels kind of like a microcosm of Drifter Society in the seventies <laughs> and how transient people were. Where it's like, man, you're gonna be driving, yeah. you're gonna see a river, man. You might not have your tackle and your rod in your car, man. 
those fish are biting. Get out. You got your pocket fisherman. You're going to be fine. So now it's like if you're going fishing, it's playing months in advance, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. If you're a casual fisherman, you might own a rod, but probably not. You definitely don't have a license. And this is like, license? <laughs> Come on, man. What are we doing? It's Carter time, brother. We're cool. We're, it, we're good here. It's awesome. It's like having your big pothead and you're on a road trip and you don't have your weed with you, but you got that like one hitter in the car. Yeah. Yeah. It's that for fishermen. You can always get your fishing fix. I can't understand yeah. it, but I'm so glad he made that. It's And he made a shitload of money off it too, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that's so wild. And again, and so this is one thing he talks about in his book. I would buy that thing. No doubt. Yes. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. He talks about it in his book, Mark, you mentioned it when you were introduced. Ron was so focused on America as a gift giving society. People love to give gifts. Yeah. Be sure to make people know that this is a great gift for one of their loved ones. I was like, all right. But then you see something like the pocket fisherman. Oh, yeah, that's just like the ultimate Father's Day trap. Yeah. Like, I have or know a dad. Uh, yeah, here you go. Like, dads <laughs> are a species. <laughs> it's great. I watched a YouTube video. My research was to look at videos of people using these things. This guy, this was 2019, I think, goes out on a kayak with a pocket fisherman and catches three fish like he's a fisherman like he's a good fisherman but he just goes out and he like bass and he's like that's a small one it was like that big like it was not that small and he was like this is a pretty you know it's cheap but it's like kind of a cool thing and and he's like pulling back all the winch thing and he's just like it's actually good design and i'm like shit like what and he bought it off of ebay you know so it's 20 years old a classic yeah. yeah don't they still make newer ones yes they definitely do like they're still available yeah yeah his was old i think 30 bucks on amazon yeah. Yeah. yeah there it is but okay dan you'll know this so that's obsolete as far as ronco goes right it's still a ronco pocket fisherman oh wow okay because on his website you couldn't click on it to buy it you can only click on the his kitchen products so there might so. be a split somewhere but like at least via Bezos, it's still visit the Ronco store. Okay. Yeah, no, I could be totally wrong. So then good transition to raising a number two, which is a glass froster. To a beer drinker, there's nothing like a cold beer served in a frosted glass. And now you can frost glasses at home instantly. Introducing the Ronco glass froster. Did you guys watch the glass froster? Oh, let me explain it to you, Mark. It's awesome. (laughs) It's like the thing that bartenders have where you push the glass down and like rinses the inside of the glass, right? Yep. Except it just injects frost into the glass. It just colds it. Colds your glasses. That's not his term. That's my term. But There's no explanation. You can't even really get explanations because I tried to do that too because it's owned by Ron. I don't know how it works, but it just immediately frosts your glass. It's awesome. It looks like a little cup. Okay, I'm seeing it. Is there any chemicals that are involved with this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the biggest thing. <laughs> Keep away from eyes. F12 dichlorodiafluoromethane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't think you can sell this anymore. Um, yeah. Because the public health uh, environment reduces ozone in the upper atmosphere. That stuff yeah. does. Yeah. So you know, else doesn't you know. exist anymore. Driving your car over to the side of a creek and pulling on a little toy fishing pole. <laughs> yeah. Nobody frosts their glasses anymore. No. Yeah. Nope, no frosted mug is is dated. It's over. For, it's for shit Coors beer. But yeah. yes, there was a time and place in Ronco. Yeah. It's called uh, the home plate. I bet they still got one of these. Yeah. <laughs> and, Among the rubble. And the chemicals. Yeah. <laughs> but I probably would buy this. This is great. I would have got this for my dad when I was 12 for Christmas. For sure. Yeah, and getting one of these, like, for the Dan's retro infomercial product collection, this thing would be great. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how close you can keep it next to QRB for safety. Yeah. But I feel like that's just asking for spontaneous combustion, but I think it's worth the risk. <laughs> that's what I'm, I was going to say. I might try to roll the dice. <laughs> Is yeah. that there's a subcategory here of Ron's products with chemicals, and the glass froster <laughs> is in there for sure. Uh-oh. Perfect. And you got any other history on the glass frostbuster? No, okay. I mean, just that it's terrifying. I still don't get it. I will say that there's one on eBay for $10. I'm just going to go ahead and snap that up right now while we talk. Because mm-hmm. that's very important. <laughs> Number three, which might be the one I'm most interested in, is the Ronco Grip 
spatula. But with the Ronco grip spatula, you can take the food and turn it over gently. Did you see this one? No, 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 no. I've seen the product, but I haven't seen the commercial for it, so please break her down. Okay. Imagine a spatula, right? Imagine okay. that you're cooking with a cooking system with a spatula. Done. It is a spatula. Oh, is this the... Yeah. That doubles as tongs, sort of. Whoa. So there's a, a flipping whole... grip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's called the flipping grip? It might have evolved to that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dan, that's $10 too. I know. I see it. We're on the same one. Do you want to start a bidding war? <laughs> I don't think I'd beat you. There's a <laughs> hole in the middle of a spatula so grease doesn't flip in the air, I guess. So you can pick up, like, say, a sausage, because I saw him do it. Um, you can pick up... <laughs> Nice. You can pick up a sausage without flipping grease into the air. And like, I don't you know, love making homemade sausages. Yeah, yeah. In the video, he goes, I didn't invent the sausage, but I did invent the Ronco <laughs> grip spatula. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So he's not fucking around at all. No. On the CBS video that I watched. Yeah, CBS. That's right. Shout out CBS. Shout out Young Sheldon. Yeah, shout out Young Sheldon. <laughs> he is basically, you know, getting interviewed and he's talking about all of his products throughout the years. And the guy that is interviewing him, He's kind of pitching him retroactively all of his products, right? Like, can't help it, man. But like, this is the best part is that he isn't doing it like perfectly. You know, like he doesn't have his pitch down perfectly for each product. So you get to see Ron kind of ad lib each of these little pitches and like be a little bit real. And it's kind of great. It's funny that you mentioned that. He said, again, in his book, that. In his infomercials, he doesn't like to do too many takes because he wants it to feel sincere, like he's actually telling you about the product. He's like, if you see somebody at a fair, they might stutter or miss a word and have to repeat something. That's why I don't like to redo things during my shows. Plus, I have a tea time in 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. All right, we'll take that part out. Regardless of what his true motivations are, that's a very rational explanation. And I do think roots it in feeling a little more human, mm -hmm. which we know that there might be some issues with. Yeah. That's the thing that Arnold, I think, speaks about in the documentary, which is that there has to be an element of surprise in each. Yeah. Like, that's what makes it good. I mean, you know, Ron's kind of saying the same thing, right? You know, yeah. Dave, you're this list so far. It's good. They seem yeah. old and great. And I definitely haven't seen much of the full format infomercials on these. I don't know if they exist on all these products yet, but I have a hard time understanding that this spatula, you can go on for 30 minutes talking about it. Like once I see it open, I already know what to do with it. And that might be because I'm very smart. Very, very yes. smart. You know, very smart, handsome, yeah. handsome. Yep. Yeah tall for your age dave what did you find out like what more than just sausage what you said like was there anything more that this thing does because i'm not buying it as like multi-tool that he normally sold you drop your keys behind your sofa no but what i think i discovered <laughs> is that because he invented so many things and dan can back me up on this because he actually knows that when it went to qvc or a 30-minute format he was prepared for all of these add-ons Right. So yeah. like okay. the Ronco grip spatula is now part of a different system. You know what I mean? Okay. Just like yep. the flavor injector is now part <laughs> uh -oh. is part of another yeah. system. Like, yeah, maybe you could do a 30 minute show, but like maybe you don't need to, you know, maybe he can just assault you with every piece of, you know, whatever in the kitchen. Wow. Yeah. There's a few ways that it goes to, and it's where it's associated products. Like we saw with the Showtime knives where it's like, all right, you also get the butcher block, you yeah. get the sharpener, you get the flavor injector, the steak knives, you get all this shit with it. You can ask about the yeah. flatware, <laughs> all that stuff. But he also did, it was like Ron's big comeback where he did the, the dehydrator. Mm -hmm. And he leads off by walking through like two or three of his old products that he just didn't want people to forget about, like to re-credentialize himself. Yep. He does like the car door bumper one, does one that's like I think it's a different plunger or something. Like he's just like tearing through stuff. He bangs out three products like and now the reason that we're here. Oh, right, yep. we've been here for eight minutes. Did you just get here? Yeah. Holy shit. Like yeah. <laughs> he, he understands equity. And Dave, you explained it perfectly, yeah. right? It's like he didn't throw anything away, any good idea away. If it's small, if it's big, whatever. But like he will find a way to match that thing up with something else and 
boost the value. Like, okay, so yeah. I, I'm in. And leading into one that will not be sold as an add-on, we go into number four or five here. The numbers don't matter. Four. Mr. Microphone. Hey, this Christmas party is getting a little too quiet. I think it's time we liven it up with my favorite Christmas gift, Mr. Microphone. Hey, what's that? Well, you set the dial on your FM radio and testing, testing, Which I was completely unaware of mm-hmm. up until wow. tonight. It might have the best commercial that I've ever seen in my entire life. Yep. And that yeah. was the one where I started saying, wow, this guy can kind of invent anything you know i mean they talked about it and pitch people but how many people just went into electronics you know i mean i guess every cooking thing has some electronics and stuff but this is like circuitry audio recording and he but just- again this is also the difference of ron right so like jan said ron's an inventor no one else is like this other people are like tinkerers maybe or they no products from having pitched enough products where now they have the credibility to be part of the decision-making process of, could this be a hit? Could this be a home run if we made an infomercial out of it? And he's just looking at things. He's like, oh, karaoke's fun, but it's hard to have a whole situation. Where like, oh, I have an idea. Yeah. Like, it- and just being able to go full hog. So yeah, it's entirely rare and unique to be the starter for all of those things. I'm sure any of like the greats could have also pitched this stuff. Like if you gave Arnold a Mr. Microphone, I'm sure he would have done awesome with it. Yeah. But at the same time, that's not how most of those people are wired. They're kind of, they have a lane, right? They have like, okay, I know these types of product. That's where I am. Branch out a little bit. Like Jan's a housewares guy. So he'll sell you a total trolley, but for the most part, it's somewhere between your kitchen and your living room that you're going to meet Jan. Billy Mays had some of the versatility, but he was more of like the home hardware kind of stuff, you know? So it's interesting. And I think the diversity of product set is mm-hmm. truly singular for Papa Ron. And so cool. I mean, Mr. Microphone versus... The thing's fucking awesome. Vegematic yeah. versus Pocket <laughs> Fisherman. Those are three really cool things yeah. that I was unaware of. Yeah. But Mr. Microphone, I forgot to do the description, is a microphone with an orange little styrofoam don't blow out the mic thing windscreen that if you turn your frequency on your fm radio to the proper mm-hmm. frequency you can speak into the microphone and it goes goes to the speaker i mean we're old enough to know how that is gold right yeah. like yeah. we're old enough to know that that is like if you were in college and technology wasn't a thing like it was i mean we had like in 1978 that would have been the best thing that you could have dave we did this and i don't know if you guys specifically did this we we used to find you used to have something you plug into an ipod or something and it would have it would, you would be able to re- put the channel on this little device and yeah and put it out. like i understand the concept so well yeah. on this i think a whole generation now probably wouldn't because why would you ever tune into a radio when they yeah. never even turn a radio on but mm-hmm. you it, this thing was like it's it's so brilliant because it's just one little you know it's, i don't know what it costs it was for 10 bucks 12 bucks 15 bucks whatever probably a great gift but yeah. you get to utilize <laughs> your dope systems like your sick systems in your house your sick car system like your boombox that you might you you know might bring around with you all all the time like yeah. it yeah. amplified it literally amplified your lifestyle of of speakers and music it's so fucking cool and if you're a joker i mean you win oh yeah you win the day yeah. i mean yeah. imagine an age in a scenario if you're if if you're Dan driving home from the dinner do, doing his bit and you have the, and you have Mr. Microphone, and you do it there. Oh. It would have been so nice. If you're me, you know, and like, if your mom's mad at you and driving you home from school, and you have this thing, and you click it on and get like you won, you end all yeah. discussion. You know, it's so we would have won the Cold War. Yeah, yeah, we did. I think that's. Why. <laughs> this is why we put it on our spy planes. Is like propaganda, like out of the speakers. <laughs> we like we talk some sense into the rescue. Yeah, Mr. United States Microphone. So I don't know what direction it went if he had the idea for the technology or if he took this technology bent it for this i don't know which direction it went but like there was and i'm sure they're still available like before car bluetooth was a thing 
there were hands-free devices that you plugged it into the jack of your phone, set it to the right frequency in your car, and it would do exactly this. So you could have hands-free phone calls in your car yes. before yes, CarPlay and seamless Bluetooth Car was available. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. this was a great idea. He thought of this in 1978. Like He was that far ahead of where things were going for actually needing this for a practical purpose in the automobile, as opposed to being like, uh... Hey, good looking, like yelling at yelling at chicks in your convertible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and shout out his advertising team on that commercial, which is yeah. straight gold. Oh, yeah. yeah, that definitely gets the call now seal of incredible baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You know another marketing thing I did hear through this, and I don't know if you came across it, like cordless electronic. So it, it had batteries in it. Yeah. Like that was a popular thing to put batteries in everything, right? But he called it cordless electronic, and this was one of those things. Mm-hmm. And like, it just sounds way sexier. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're not thinking about batteries when you're making this purchase. Like, fuck, I have to buy batteries yeah. once you have it, and when it runs out. But like, no, I just have to use this thing, and I'm so happy it doesn't plug into a wall. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I need to be free. That's yeah. Mad Men shit, man. <laughs> like, yeah. it's oh man, it's got batteries. And it's like, no, it doesn't. It's cordless. No, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's cordless. <laughs> like, just don't. don't think about it. I need three fingers of scotch. <laughs> and, and two fingers of heater? <laughs> At least. No, no, no. The battery life isn't five seconds. It's cordless. Yeah. <laughs> so this one could be kind of the next three things. We'll go through all of them. The next three days? Yeah. The next three products. Shopomatic. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to show you the greatest kitchen appliance ever made. It's called Shopomatic. And Vegematic I'm putting together. Mm-hmm. Introducing Popia's amazing Vegematic 2. New improved cutting rings make food cutting easier than ever. Put the Dialomatic on there too. The Dialomatic Mark IV can slice, dice, chop, slaw, julienne, and french fry. That's the evolution. That's the three step process. And the Dialomatic. Going from what? The julienne slicer, probably. And he was just like, no, not for me. We're not doing it that way. That thing is awesome. I've never used one. Have you guys used one of those things? Afraid. No. no, I never have. Even when I was in the restaurant, the closest thing they had was they had like a wall-mounted dicer. Yeah. So it'd be like you put a veggie on there and pull down. Yeah. But I've always been so amazed by this piece of technology. So it's, and it's one of the things that Chef Tony does too, and that he packages in still. I'm not sure if it was with the Miracle Blades when he sold those. But he sold one of these two. And that was one of the formative Dan infomercials as a kid. Um, shout out RNN Channel 62. Nice work. Was watching Chef Tony and his big old meat hands just speed slicing onions the same way that Arnold did when he did it and, and Letterman cut his thumb. Yeah. But yeah, the constant tweaks and evolutions of this product. It's This is an interesting one, right? Because this is one that Arnold sold, too. Which version did he sell? So I think they both... Dial? I feel like they both sold the Dial-O-Matic because I'm trying to remember it mostly from that the Letterman bit. Mm-hmm. Then the split came where it was then like the Morris Metric Slicer, which I think is what lined up with the Dial-O-Matic. I think that's where they might have had their, their split was towards the end of the road, basically. Yeah. I'm off one. The Vegematic is the split. The Vegematic was the last one. Right? Yes. It went chop, dial, veg. Yes. And that's yeah. what it was. And the Vegematic is what exploded. Yeah. And that's what led to the Bassomatic. Uh, yep. This is the end state of all home slicing devices. That felt like it was huge for Ron. In his book, he says that was his when he made it, was the Vegematic. Yeah. Like that was when he ascended in terms of, I don't know if, how Ron quantifies things. Mm-hmm. Right. Brand name. It probably just had a Kleenex brand name in household yeah and i'll go one further which is i think that he really is more attached to the kitchen products and i think he's probably more attached to the kitchen products because he knows that america wants kitchen products more i think he knows that when he's ron when he's 30 minute ron that am i right or wrong nailed it you'd rather see him in the kitchen You'd rather see him with kitchen products. And he knows that it's like, you know, I can't do Mr. Microphone. My ad team can do Mr. Microphone. I can't do pocket. I mean, he kind of can, right? But like those kitchen products are where you're like, I have you in the kitchen. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a combination of brand awareness, familiarity, and like where he ended up putting in his 10,000 hours soonest, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's maybe... A little bit easier to be a kitchen tinkerer 
I feel like you need less of an engineering background to get started because you can kind of fuck around with what you've got and you can be like, all right, if this was a better version of what I'm doing, I can see that. Where if like you're looking at a microphone and you crack open the back of it and you're looking at the components and you're just like, yeah, I'm not fucking touching this. Yeah. Like I've, <laughs> I've done the same this, but if you're like, all right, like back in the day, we talked about the pan can. It's a cutting board where this side you push it off, it goes to your garbage can. This side, it goes in the frying pan. Boom, pan can. What's better than that? Brilliant. But it's like, and I was like, oh, I can prototype that because I have a cutting board. <laughs> I have a garbage can. I have a frying pan. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is what it looks like. As opposed to like, I was like, all right, I think that there should be a better way to get wireless headphones to connect to devices seamlessly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet you do. Yeah. I was like, And hopefully JBL or Sonos or Apple come up with that soon. Because I'm going to be playing with my cutting board. <laughs> he does a classic Ron on this thing too. By like, we talked about like, oh, it makes a great gift. But in this one, he talks about how you can basically like hide vegetables into your kids' food. Yeah. It's like one of those other like lifestyle things that I think he just totally like leans in on. And man, imagine the time that that came out with like a, you know, a mother, father at home that like, are dealing with their kids and they're like, oh, wait, we can hide vegetables. Like, it's an impulse buy. He was like, impulse buy, it's selling like, yeah, fucking like 50 years. And he's so smart about the language he used. It's cool. It's one of my favorite of, of his kitchen things. Like, I was watching those today. I was like, that thing is pretty cool. You know, I don't want to step on what else you might have on your list, Dave. No, I kind of dare you to have some of the other things that I have. So, but go ahead. I got one you might have. Two of the things that also piggyback on this trend one is one that we covered the automatic pasta maker ron popeil is going to give us with the automatic pasta maker there's the maker there are those 12 dies there's the cookbook there's the semolina flour there's the videotape there's the measuring cup there's the fork that brings it out of the water we get over a hundred dollars worth of coupons my god which is where he was basically like people love bread makers but they're complicated and people also like pasta the same way but they don't think about how easy it could be to make it themselves so I came up with this. He's like, and then there's a health trend. People want to be healthy. So I tried to make it seem healthy. It's like, whoa. Yeah. But the one that he really focused on was with the dehydrator. First of all, I didn't like additives and preservatives in my food. And a lot of people don't like additives and preservatives in right. their food. And I happen to love beef jerky. Now, another reason I made the electric food dehydrator was because when I went out to buy one, they cost between 170 and $400. Yeah. He was like, this was at a time in America when everybody wanted to be healthy. And if you could find a way to do it, I was just like, that's what it was? Yeah. He's like, yep, you can make soups because you could dry out the veggies and make them powder without having to put <laughs> sodium in them. So that's good. And then you could just dry out meat. So that was good. And his whole thing was the reason he was able to undercut everybody on the price so that was the big differentiator because dehydrators have been out forever. Mm-hmm. And I think my numbers might be slightly off, but dehydrators were like, say, I think they were like 200 bucks. 200 bucks was kind of like the going rate. And what he figured out was like, wait a minute, if I make it, all it is is it's just a longer time to dehydrate the food and I can sell it for $40 less. He's like, If you don't already dehydrate food, you don't know the difference. Mm -hmm. You don't know that you're missing. He's like, and it's passive time. It's not like you're standing there being like, oh, man, I want those banana chips now. It's like, all right, you put them in, like, check them in the morning. Like, oh, shit. So that was like, again, the just building a better mousetrap mentality. If it started with the health craze, how can I piggyback on something healthy? And then turning to the dehydrator and be like, Oh, wait, these things are all faster because they have more power to them. If I just cut that by X percentage, I'm able to shave 20% right off the head of my cost. Yeah. <laughs> the dehydrator's great. You know what's funny about the dehydrator? It's like, it's a dehydrator. Like, I get it. I get that you can expedite dehydrating things, but that's all it does. It's all I do. It's crazy looking, too. That's the other yeah. part. It's like my grandfather had one of these. Wow. It was a disaster. Wow. But it doesn't look like anything. It just looks like a shelf. You know, it looks, you know like, why? A, it looks like a plastic shelf. Do you want to know why? Yes, I want to know why. It's a fucking plastic shelf. That's it. That's it. 
Insanity. <laughs> That's such a weird product. He's, he's just selling mousetrap. Just selling better mousetraps, man. That's it. Incredible. The sun's pretty good at dehydrating things. Okay. Yeah. So let and us shout out Chris Paul. let's go right into Ron Mind here and go to the next right. important thing. Like the complete opposite of the dehydrator. The GLH. Just spray GLH on and it instantly covers your bald spot. Like what? Like where he's just like, I'm going bald. I'm going to make a bald spray. And that has, that's what? That's 90-ish? That's got to be something like that? Like he just comes out like that's so off the wall. I have to try it. I'm balding and I want to try it just to see. Well, I kind of wanted to. And then I was like, maybe I'll get brain cancer if I do it. I'm not sure if I will. But (laughs) we're all going to get cancer anyways. That's the human condition. Whatever. Have some fun. From these microphones right here, brother. You're all going to yeah. get cancer anyway. Try my right. GLH. Yeah. GLH is insane. He didn't get cancer. <laughs> you know? He made it to 86. Yeah. He was spraying the shit on his head all the time. You so think yeah. LeBron knows of this stuff? We should tell him. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But the shameless nature in which he sprayed his head with this stuff is just incredible. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And again, this is the branding thing, too, where he would walk out for, like, the Showtime rotisserie infomercials and... They would do the bit where Nancy would be like, Ron, I can see your balls bug. Uh, uh, uh. Give me one second, Nance. Can you help me out here? And go over and have her spray. And he would spray and have her spray. How's that, folks? Better? All right. Let's start the show. And it's like, wow. He just can't fucking, he can't stop. Like, he wasn't like, and you couldn't, I mean, you could order GLH when you called, you could order anything you wanted. But like, the show wasn't selling you GLH. But again, it's that whole thing of like, don't forget who you're dealing with. Yeah. I'm the guy who solves all your problems. Yeah. You're bald, you want to go fishing right now, and you want to dehydrate some meats and then maybe just cook them slowly on a spit, I got you. Oh, my God. And they make fish pasta out of it? How could fish pasta? Just bass pasta. Tastes this good. Is this stuff, like, just good for that one day, that one night you put it on? Like, what happens when, it's like when you shower or you go to bed. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it rinses off. Yeah. It's makeup, right? It's makeup. Yeah. Yeah. It's powder. It's powder. The film, like the movie, yeah. Yeah, so basically, I think there was a woman who who had seen Powder, the film, and she was just so intrigued is, by the, that pale boy. It has made him a haired man in that movie? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what it's about. But yeah, it was something like he had a chance run-in with a woman who had an idea like this, and then he was just like, oh, well, what if it was this? And it was just like, ba-da! Yeah. Here's another million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> what if spray paint was just powder? Sure. Right. Sure, Ron. Right. Um, and he combs it. Yeah. It is stunning. It's one of the few products that my grandfather didn't have because he had luscious Lebanese hair mm-hmm. forever. But it was always jet black. So I was hoping that he would turn to some GLH. <laughs> but he never did. Never got to try and huff that in his house. I like combining GLH and QRB on something. So I want to make a hair chair at some point, but I have to like. <laughs> I feel yeah. like you've said this before. Yeah. I have to get rid of this old paint on this chair with QRB, and then I make the hair chair. Just spray the whole. Yeah, you use the yeah. Floby to cut the hair off, and then the GLA should put oh. it all back together. Yeah, <laughs> and the QRB like, to refinish it. Well, no, you use the QRB to remove the skin of, on your enemies, and then you <laughs> cut the person. <laughs> yeah, this is the are the Ed Gein version. Are they that, really that, enemies if you're having to be in a situation where you're removing the skin? If you're close enough to remove their skin. I don't know. I think you're the yeah. bad guy. I don't know. Who makes more money? Right. Okay, let's go through the last couple fast-ish because they're ridiculous. The record vacuum. The Ronco record vacuum protects your records by keeping them dust and static free. Did you see this one? The record vacuum is a dated product in which you put a vinyl record into a tray that spins around and sucks dust off of your record. That's what it is. It's incredible. Then there is the the smokeless Whoa. ashtray. This is mine. The problem with cigarettes and cigars is the smoke. Are you bothered by smoke from someone else's cigarette or cigar? Does the smell of cigar smoke offend you? Does smoke irritate your eyes? Now put an end to this unpleasantness with the amazing new smokeless ashtray by Ronco. This is your pick, yeah. which is completely illogical, right? It is uh, an ashtray. That- I don't get it. I don't get it. Are you smoking in that room? This must have been the thing. He must have sold so many of these things, right? This was, again, health craze. People started to turn against smoking. So I tried to, like, that's exactly what it was. It's just like, man, all this yeah. guy did was watch the news and be like, fuck that. <laughs> More than a million. Yeah. 
Yeah, it can't work. This is what's unbelievable about this guy and these people in general. Is there's no possible way that this thing could work. And it sold millions. It's ridiculous. It sucks to smoke up in the room when it's in the ashtray. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you're smoking in the room? It sucks all that smoke that you're smoking in the room. I mean, forget about that. I just want to know if it takes <laughs> the smoke <laughs> out of when you put it in the ashtray, <laughs> which it definitely doesn't. <laughs> forget about the room smoke. It never promises that. Yeah. yeah. I think this was the one of them, too, where he talked about the replacement filters being like the big part of the business. Yeah. He was like either this or the blades on something, but he was like, you have returning customers. because Every time they run out, they have to send you three more dollars for another. Mm-hmm. Man, you just, the program, it was just in there. You couldn't not. And this reminds me very much of, there is a Ben Stiller, Jack Black movie that was not successful. Mm. Not Envy. Okay. Oh, movie yeah. Envy. Yeah. Where does the poo go? It's just a spray that makes dog shit disappear. Yeah. It's literally this. Yeah. I think someone saw the smokeless ashtrays like, can we get Jack Black and Ben Sword to tell some dick jokes about this? Or, yeah, get Amy Poehler. Done. Yeah. Nailed it. I got one thing. I'm turning back on the smokeless ashtray. Okay. Everybody needs an ashtray. At that time, everybody needs an ashtray. Why not yep. have one that maybe does a little better with the smoke? Yeah. Yep. yep. And that's it's, it. Well, it's perfect for restaurants. That's in the video. Yeah. Yeah. A little better. And if it's broken or if it's not sucking up the smoke, you're still dropping your ash in it and it's around, you know? And maybe your filter's broken. I don't know. And just sorry to circle back on Envy, directed by Barry Levinson, produced by Larry David, starring Ben Stiller, Jack Black, Rachel Weiss, Amy Poehler, and Christopher Walken. That so, sounds I mean, like the best movie ever made, and it doesn't sound I mean, listen, King it grossed over $14 million at the box office, and it only cost them a cool $40 million to make. Bum, bum, ba, da, da. That's Reese Witherspoon money. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Back to you. Last thing I have on here is the egg scrambler. Do you scramble eggs like this? You never get a perfectly blended egg, and then there's the cleanup. But now there's the egg scrambler. It scrambles an egg while it's still in the shell. Which is, you know, I keep saying that this one might be the strangest one. The egg scrambler might be his strangest product. It is a needle on a spinning machine that you put an egg on to scramble an egg within the shell that he says he invented because he didn't like the way the egg would be scrambled with a fork or a whisk. It was too runny. There were too many whites in the eggs. So he wanted to whip it so much. He was woke. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it good? Th- this is one of those things, like the reasoning behind making it doesn't make sense. And you still are curious enough to be like, oh, maybe I need that. There's no reason to, to do that to an egg. It also wasn't his idea. So there was a different in-shell egg scrambler that was manual. He's like, why not put a tiny motor on it so it can actually do it properly and make it cheap enough so I can sell them? God damn it. Like, he didn't have to have every great idea. He had every great tweak and then the ability to sell. Yeah. You know, like, that was the whole thing. It's like, he didn't claim to have invented the concept of scrambling eggs inside the shell, but... He did invent the way to do it with a tiny machine and to get it to the consistency that he wanted. A, they made a good omelet in this. They finally made a good omelet, like a nice base. It's like one of the few good looking. Yeah. And put it in and then a top on it and that like did it the right way. So already I love it. My dad loved this thing. He thought it was great back in the day. What? This is my favorite one <laughs> out of this one. I think no, but I think out of irony, like how we kind of look at these things. Mm-hmm. He had a great line in this one too. Like I was harping on before about the kids and the vegetables and being able to hide the vegetables and stuff with the chopomatic. But like, it's like your kids hate runny ed- eggs. That's a whole, that's a whole thing. Your kids will never yeah. see runny eggs again. It's like an impulsive like thing he put in there that I think he, it was a genius move by him again. Yeah. And a great stocking stuffer for mom. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't get mom anything? Put your name on that. But it's so strange looking. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, weird. I do feel, I'm sorry, I was gushing about so many of these things, but I feel like, Dan, you've kind of sandbagged us to some of these other products. And I think you were saving some of like his earlier products, obviously. You don't want our show to end too soon. But like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was going back and I was like, well, I'm not Dan, so I don't know everything that he's made. And I'm like, 
Imagine seeing Mr. Microphone in the glass roster for the first time. I'm like, wait a minute, this guy? I was like, the flavor injector guy? Like, what? What is going on here? Yeah. It is, you know where he came from now. It's incredible. Yeah. The only one you're missing is his most successful product ever, which is the Showtime rotisserie. I'll put it in this new pro model. I'll slide it back. If you followed all the instructional material, you just and i know we haven't watched this on the podcast yeah but that's the set it and forget it that is the classic the there might be something like it before but the thing before that doesn't exist because this thing came out and i don't think i can think of many other products like that ever no i was making the list and i was like i don't know how to not take most of these things you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. There was just so many. And then I kept seeing a new thing and I was like, he invented that? I mean, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And turn this back into, you know, Ron's retrospective, rest in peace, Ron. It's fucking amazing. Like these are incredibly ridiculous and memorable things. And that's why you're seeing them getting reviewed in like mm-hmm. 2019. And the guy that did Pocket Fisherman that I watched, the girl that did the Egg Scrambler, both dropped Ronco. Like they were like, oh yeah, Ronco product that like I'm like, whoa. They he just yeah, man. he did exactly what he was trying to do, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And so one quick note on the showtime. So I did reach out to our buddy Stan Jacobs after Ron's passing. And he shared, of course, his incredible insight from being the infomercialist insider of all time. So I guess it was right before the showtime came out, Lester Morris was developing a roto broil comeback whoa oh, wow. and a product distributor sunk some money into it they were developing it mm-hmm. they were putting it together and then for reasons that have not become immediately clear they abandoned it and then shortly thereafter ron launched the goddamn showtime but stan says if that product was properly positioned with a strong show it would have beaten ron to the marketplace just in terms of timing like because the rotor boil reboot was farther along as a product, Ron wow. hadn't gotten the Showtime up and running yet. But you know, what's his most successful product? So I think the Showtime yeah. takes the cake over a billion in sales. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it was the pasta maker though, where he did the million dollars in an hour on QVC. Oh yeah, that's pretty nuts that he he pulled. It was one of the two. All of my round information starting to blend a little bit together. We're going to have to extrude it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think between those two, I think the rotisserie is the the number one by far in terms of sales, in terms of notoriety. And also too, like that catchphrase is, I think, among the most notorious when it comes to, if there is such a thing, infomercial culture, right? Yeah. More than call now, set it and forget it is such a like it's a phrase i think that's like one of the easiest jokes that's made about oh it's so easy oh, set it and forget it like it stands out above all those other things so it like transcends the product where it's kind of like the summary for infomercials of like it's tongue-in-cheek it feels kind of like a dig at infomercials like oh you're trying to get something by me oh set it and forget it but it's like oh no yeah yeah so i would say that the rotisserie is the big one a couple of the other ones that i'm a fan of I don't really know how this worked, but they were selling top 20 hit record albums from Ronco. I saw that. So I, yeah. I think he might have invented, now that's what I call music, basically. Yeah. Smash he's just grab. He was just paying, <laughs> the, <laughs> he was just paying rights to sell these collections and just making money on that. Mm-hmm. And then he has an incredible story about Instant Shine. Uh, it was a shoe shine product that it was before he really made it. He was looking at it and he would sell it at fairs and it was going good. And then he was like, who needs shoe shine more than anybody else? The military. So I went to the Illinois National Guard. I was like, she just walked into an office. Yeah. Just walked in the office and just went to sell it. Wow. And just just went to run with it. Funny enough, he demoed it on the shoe of I forget the rank of the the gentleman that he tried it on. Um and it turned his brown shoes stark white. Oh, wow. Snow White. Wow. There was an issue. There was an unforeseen chemical reaction mm-hmm. uh, due to the humidity in the office that fucked the guy's shoes. And the guy just said, if it's good with the colonel, it's good with me. And Ron's like, I don't know who the colonel was. Apparently, he was under the impression that I had. And I was like, 
wait, so did Ron fleece the military? Ron didn't, he didn't go through with it. He's like, I couldn't sell them a bad product. He's like, I was happy to get out of there with my shirt and that was enough. I was like, and then he made them a better one, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just like, it was nuts that like he tried it. And I guess what he said, he said something like, oh, he's like, that'll turn the brown pretty soon. Like, he's just like, when you have nothing to lose, you might as well go for it. And that's what I did. It's like, <laughs> so he's pretty open about his mistake in the book. Yeah. 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 He tells the secrets. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the benefit of doing this, you know, 35, 40 years into your successful yeah. multi-million dollar business. Yeah. And be like, oh, of course there were some bumps and bruises along the way. Yeah. Man, he's super candid too. Talks about his family life, both growing up as a kid and then his multiple marriages and the time that he spent as a father, like regrets that he has. What's strange about it is it's all still just Ron speaking. So it's like, it's weird to hear something that deeply personal (laughs) and meaningful. When he's not talking about his product. But he's still just talking in the same Ron voice. He's like, I think back about the time when Shannon was a young girl and I could have been a better father. I regret that now. It's like he put it on paper, you know, and he was very candid yeah, and felt str- reading it back. It's a little bit hard. Right. But I have to read it. Right. But I'm a narrator, you know, like that's what <laughs> I'm an announcer. <laughs> right. I never thought about hiring anybody to announce my commercial spots. I could announce that's what I've been doing at Woolworth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're I doing a job that is designed to be like people are throwing tomatoes at you and you just keep going. Yeah. You know, you just keep chopping. Yeah, everybody's yeah, because yeah, he's cutting them and throwing them in the garbage. <laughs> yeah, cutting it, it'll it'll last <laughs> the whole it'll last the whole summer. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> desert island, what do you gotta have? Which product do you have to have? Do I have cigarettes with me? <laughs> yeah, if you want them, you can have them. Cigarettes, unlimited heaters. <laughs> yeah. I think I want pocket fishermen the most. Great pick, great pick. Because I'm on the desert island, but. If you, you told me I had a, if I had cigarettes or a boom box, <laughs> I may do Mr. Microphone <laughs> or the smokeless ashtray. Oh my God. Yeah. Those um, are my three. But yeah, pocket fisherman, if yeah. I'm nude. Yeah. It's hard to yeah. say no to. I'm going to, I have to take the pocket fisherman. <laughs> so- you need to broaden your view. I'm going to caution both of you guys because the correct answer is the Showtime six star plus knife set. to Showtime's Great Knife Giveaway Show. Where you get 40 plus knives, including one that never dulls, you can cut down trees with, you can fashion a boat out of it, you can do anything with them. You have all those knives, you can throw the steak knives and try and get fish that way. You yeah. can. You have to take out animals, you can protect yourself, you can build shelter, you yeah. can build yourself a way out of there. So it's all those knives, and then if you finally get something, you got the flavor injected and showed who's really boss. Yeah. So, well, Dan, I mean, it's that's great, but it doesn't have a tackle really. box built into the pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even need the butcher block. I want. I'll just take the loose drawer. <laughs> Everybody has one of these in their house. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, weird houses. How's uh, real estate in Southern California? <laughs> really good if you're alone on the desert island you don't have to cut those tomatoes so thin either so right. yes you do oh full. yeah you're rationing your food <laughs> yeah. I, I get you. but yeah so that's where i would be i would take the whole damn set mm. and see what i could do yeah and let's let's give him a proper send-off we beat him up a lot doing some research he's pretty freaking incredible man r.i.p ron yeah. we couldn't possibly have covered all of the stuff that he made and i tried to do it in like a i'm late to my project in seventh grade fashion and it's intimidating how much stuff he has made so we will be back with this for sure yeah Yeah. well the last thing i'm gonna say i watched an interview with him with brian williams of course it was great this is the great thing he said like he's talking about the products that he sells and he's like i have to sell things i love i have to sell things obviously i know i can make money on and he says i can't sell an empty box He's like, the only thing that is an empty box is a coffin. And I thought that, you know, I heard that and I'm like, Jesus, man, that's kind of hits, hits close now, but uh, man of his word. Beautiful. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we didn't pay all that much attention to was his self-awareness and his sense of humor. And he participated or signed off on two Weird Al projects. So Weird Al had the song Mr. Popeil, yeah. which is awesome. 
And then there's also Weird Al's infomercial, which is a clip from when Weird Al had a TV show in the early 90s where he goes to make an infomercial and Mike Levy shows up and Tony Little and Ron in just like this weird, bizarro Pee Wee Herman with curly hair and an accordion situation. So like he was in on the bit, man. Like that's it. And I think, Dave, you couldn't have started us off better with the more I spend on TV, the more money I make. And that's it. Like at a certain point, he totally got it where it wasn't just I have to be Ron doing Ron things. Like I can do anything. <laughs> You're fucking right. You absolutely can. And even the ones that weren't the smash hits, like the 501 Friar, like that was, you know, felt like Legends Day at the ballpark a little bit with Ron, but still like, but yeah, there is never anyone better, man, end to end. There is no one better. And like I said before, too. He was the fit into that rare window of person at the right time with the right skill set to, you know, really be a, a complete unicorn in, in a one of one. And uh, we will be yeah. back before more. Yeah, man. Nice. This isn't our last episode, right? No. No. I mean, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. No. Stay up. It's next, next week. Yeah. Ron, thanks for all the talking points, man. <laughs> thanks for all the tent you're slinging. This is nuts. Yeah. Time for some GLH. Ooh. Goodbye, Ron. Rest in peace to Ron and Dave's hair. Yeah. Bye, everybody. <laughs> have fun. Have fun at your apartments. Have fun at your desert island. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, or follow on your preferred podcast medium. And for all things Call Now, visit callnowpodcast.com. And if you want to connect with the boys, you can find them at Call Now Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or send them an email at callnowpodcast at gmail.com. And if you can't fight the urge to pick up the phone and call now, you can leave them a voice message at 617-356-7439. If you call in the next 30 minutes, you might just be the next star of Call Now. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you tune in next time to Call Now. Plus effort. We'll try harder next time.